Well, a couple weeks ago, we started a series entitled Gravity, Overcoming What is Holding You Down. Overcoming what's holding, how many of you know that there are people in our world, even in our church, that there is stuff that is holding you down? That there is, there is just stuff in the atmosphere, there's, there's opportunity all around us. The scripture says the sin that so easily entangles us. And this, this gravitational pull in the first week we talked about overcoming gravity is we talked about that this gravitational pull is the gravity of sin. There is, there is a real issue of sin in the lives of people and it's what's holding us down. And this gravitational pull is holding marriages down, it's holding young people down, it's holding your potential down. And so we need to get something in us that can give us the lift to lift out of what's holding us down. And so part one, we talked about overcoming this gravity, this gravitational pull called sin. And you need two things to give your life some lift to get out of this pool of the gravity of sin. And, and you need a fuel and you need an oxidizer so that they can combust and give lift. And we know that the fuel is the word of God. It's the word of God. You gotta get it in your life. And the oxidizer, the oxygen that helps combust is the spirit of God. And you need the word of God and the spirit of God in your life. And those two things will give you power to lift out of what is uh, overcoming you. And last week we talked then about not just overcoming gravity, but, but leaving the atmosphere. Leaving the atmosphere because uh, the higher we go, or the, the, the deeper in our relationship with God, there is, did you know, there is a level uh, of your relationship with God that you can walk in where the things that used to hold you down don't hold you down any longer. Come on, I thought somebody would, would amen right there. There is, a, there is a moment in your relationship with God when you can look back and say, you know what, fear doesn't grip me any longer. Anxiety doesn't grip me any longer. I'm not controlled by lust and jealousy and anger any longer because there, are, there is levels of our relationship with God we can reach. And let me tell you that as you lift out of this atmosphere and you lift out of what is holding you down, the higher you go, the less gravity has effect on you. And I watched people uh, walk out this Christian life and stuff pulling them down. I'm like, you, you got to get some velocity in you to lift out of what's pulling you down. Because there is, a, there is a relationship with God that you can have where this stuff isn't pulling on you all the time. And, and my heart as a pastor is to help get you there. It is to help get you to lift out of the, the, the greatest gravitational pull here on the surface and get over some of these things that are pulling you down. And so to do that, what we talked about last week was that uh, in order to leave Earth's atmosphere, a spacecraft has to re uh, reach uh, escape velocity. The escape velocity an aircraft has to reach to escape the gravitational pull of Earth and to leave the atmosphere, that aircraft has to reach 25,000 miles per hour in order to, for gravity to no longer have effect and escape the atmosphere. And I would tell you that in our lives, if, you, if there is something pulling you down, that you've got to get some real grit in you. I mean, you have to get some grit and some commitment, and you need to run at a speed that can overcome what's pulling you down. You need to get away. So, so we see it in Scripture, right? Flee. Run. 
Joseph in Potiphar's house, when tempted by his wife, ran. you got to get some velocity in you that you don't flirt with this stuff anymore. You run away from it. In other words, you make some serious choices in your life that I'm going to separate myself from the things that are holding me down. I'm going to get some velocity to escape out of these things that are pulling me down. And so we, we, we talked about that there are three things to help lift us out of the atmosphere. We know it requires strict training, right? We call this discipleship. It's the hardest work of the church, but we want to be dedicated to doing hard things. I believe church should be fun. I really do. I, I, I think that I never want to be boring, but you know what? The process of discipleship is hard. It can be boring. It takes grit, and it is what will lift you out of this stuff that pulls you down. So yeah, I want church to be fun, but guess what? It's worth doing hard things. It's not all bubbles and butterflies sometimes, but it's the journey. It's worth it. Christ says, pick up your cross and follow me. It's the hardest work of the church. It requires strict training. The second thing we said last week was it requires great speed in order to leave the atmosphere. Speed increases as weight and drag decreases. So we got to throw off the things that hinder. we got to throw off the sin that so easily entangles. And spiritual growth increases as weight and drag of sin decreases. So we got to get serious about sin. We have to recognize sin is a problem. We have, and that holiness is the standard. And three, it requires lots of fuel. SpaceX takes about not the SpaceX rocket takes about 900,000 gallons of fuel to leave the atmosphere. We're going to need a lot of fuel. So we need to have a commitment to make God our source of power to leave behind what's holding you down. So a commitment to engaging the scripture in our regular lives. And a commitment to engaging in prayer. And so, so we talked about overcoming gravity. Two weeks ago, last week we talked about leaving the atmosphere. And if you want to get caught up on this, you can always go online, newlifeforkokoma.org. All of our messages are archived online there. You can find my notes online. And today you can find your notes in your Bible app. If you have the Bible app, go to Events New Life Church. You can see all my notes today in that app and follow along. But today I want to talk more about just, more than just leaving the atmosphere. I want to talk about getting into orbit and staying in orbit. In order for an object to reach orbit, the rocket that gave it thrust, it must thrust the vessel to its point of orbit with a velocity around 18,000 miles per hour. So we know to escape Earth's atmosphere, these vessels have to reach 25,000 miles per hour, which is insane to think about. 25,000 miles per hour is about Mach 33, which is 33 times the speed of sound. And at Mach 33, you could go from the North Pole to the South Pole in 21 minutes. It takes me to go from the North side of Kokomo to the South side of Kokomo in 21 minutes. That's crazy speed. Um, so, yes, lots of velocity to get out of the atmosphere, but then they have to kind of change the trajectory of that vessel at the right angle to then thrust it into uh, orbit of the Earth's, uh, of Earth at a velocity of at least, it's about 17,800 miles per hour. It's about, what's this called, 18,000 miles per hour. That a satellite, there's over 8,000 satellites orbiting Earth right now. The International Space Station, all of these things have to 
continuously be at about 18,000 miles per hour in order to stay in orbit. If they did not have orbit velocity of at least 18,000 miles per hour, well, then gravity will slowly begin to pull it back towards Earth and it will crash. You see, gravity is the strongest when we're sitting still. Did you know that? And, and so it takes a lot of motion and movement. So the balance of speed and gravitational pull help keep these things in orbit. So, it, uh, um, so in our spiritual lives, think about this. In our spiritual lives, in our walk with God, there is no coasting in this life. You cannot be a coasting Christian. Because the reality is if you don't keep velocity, but, and if you coast, if you coast, you crash. You see, uh, in order to remain in orbit, these things out in the atmosphere that are orbiting the earth, they maintain a velocity of 18,000 miles per hour so they don't crash. So yeah, it takes a velocity to get out of what's overcoming us, but once we reach levels with God, you have not arrived. There is a maintaining of the Christian life in our walk with God to maintain a velocity to keep us from what's trying to pull us down. Gravity is the strongest when we are idle. There's no coasting in this life. If you coast, you crash. There's an article uh, called the, the Current Opinion in Psychology. They were talking about the dangers of idleness. Two psychology majors were talking about the danger of this, idleness. They said, people that are frequently idle... People are frequently idle when they have nothing to do or have low engagement with external tasks. During idleness, the mind wanders and resorts to its default load, generating stimulus-independent thoughts that are typically internally oriented, yet not specifically focused. Idleness is adverse not only because it highlights the waste of a primary resource, but also because it results in boredom and anxiety. Furthermore, chronic idleness may impair psychological and physical well-being. So if we are idle in our lives, it has a, a, an inverse effect on our mental and physical health. If we're idle in our lives, even our physical bodies begin to break down. Gravity is at its strongest when we are standing still. And so in our spiritual lives, we, there is no time to coast. There's no time to just relax. We have to keep pressing forward. Amen. So I want you to know, that, that New Life Church is a moving forward kind of church. I'm going to say that again. I'll say it till you believe it. New Life Church is a moving forward kind of church. Amen. Come on, let's move forward together. It's a moving forward kind of church. Amen. Yeah. We, we are a moving forward church because we want to move forward to reach people for Christ. We're going to move forward in discipling people into following Christ. We will remain on mission until Christ returns. We will continue to send missionaries 
all around the world. We will continue to give to kingdom builders and see local, global, and future change. We are a moving forward kind of church because we know if we coast, we crash. If we plateau, it will lead to demise. We, we, we don't want to be a plateauing church. We want to have fresh vision. We want to keep the mission of God forward in our thinking. We want to move forward in all ways. We want to reach the next generation. We want to make a difference around the globe. We want to feed hungry kids around the world. We want to help keep serving our guests of honor through our food pantry. We want to keep serving children and teens. We want to continue building teams of people that serve the people of our community. We want to continue giving generously to make local global future change. We are a moving forward kind of church because if you coast, you crash. You crash. And this is, listen, this is Christ's church. And we, will want, we want to see to it that Christ's church remains a thriving church until Christ comes back. Because heaven and hell are a reality, and we will not coast. That is our mission. Remember our mission? Love God. Love people. Love sharing God with people. We're a moving forward kind of We're a kind of church. We want to stay in orbit, so we got to maintain some type of velocity. In order to do that means sometimes you got to run when it's not fun. You got you to stay, stay, and keep the velocity because if we coast, we crash. Watch what it says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. This is the 58th verse in this chapter, and, and it starts off, it says, therefore. And now what have I taught you? Whenever you see a therefore, what do you have to do? You have to look to see what it's there for, okay? And so you would have to go back 57 verses, and this, it all comes down to this 58th verse, and this is, what, this is what he says. He says, therefore, after all these 57 verses, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. It's not in vain. Labor for the Lord. We keep velocity. We don't coast because if we coast, we crash. 2 Thessalonians 3.6 Keep away from every believer who is idle and disruptive and just not live according to the teaching you received for us. For, uh, for you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you. I want that to be said of New Life Church. That when God comes and takes us from this earth, people will look and say, they were not idle while they were with us. So I want to give you five things to help you stay in orbit. Five things to help keep your velocity, to keep you from crashing to the things that are constantly trying to pull us down. The first thing I want you to do is I want you to rejoice in the gospel. We need to get some joy back in the church, man. 
Come on. Rejoice in the gospel. The word rejoice means to jump up and down and spin around. Woo! Rejoice in the gospel, in the good news. Sometimes I look at church people, I'm like, you know this is the best news ever, right? I'm like, yes. This is the woo, good news. Give me two claps on a Ric Flair. Woo, right? Okay. Rejoice in the gospel. Romans 1, 16, this is what it says. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the good news. And why would you? It's the greatest news in all of humanity. Why would you be ashamed of that? Because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. And because we love God, we love people, we love sharing God with people, we won't be ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for salvation. We're going to be committed to the gospel. We're going to preach this gospel. We're going to live this gospel. Because if we're really about sharing God with people, then we are really about the gospel. Rejoice in the gospel. When you rejoice in your salvation, I'll tell you, it gives you some velocity. When you are having a crummy day, a crummy week, when that bill came in the mail, when that bad news came, but you say, but it can't steal my salvation and my joy that's in the Lord. I'm pressing on. I'm moving forward. This won't drag me down. But I have velocity knowing that I still have salvation. And if I have Jesus, it's enough. It's enough. Rejoice in our salvation. Rejoice in the gospel. Rejoice in your salvation. It gives me fuel to stay in orbit. It gives me velocity. And sharing the gospel gives fuel, gives you velocity, because it's output, and output gives thrust. And, and rejoicing in the gospel reminds us that we have a purpose beyond the mundane of life. That there is a greater purpose than waking up, going to work, paying bills, going to sleep, and waking up and going to work and paying bills and going to sleep. There is a greater purpose in our life because we rejoice in the gospel. you got to get some purpose in your life. And it will keep you from being idle because gravitational pull is strongest when we're idle. We have to keep moving. So rejoice in the gospel. Number two, something to help you stay in orbit and give you velocity is worship keeps you in orbit. There is something about uh, uh, the really rejoicing in the act of worship unto God that fuels our life and gives us velocity. I mean, I listen to worship music about 98% of the time. The other 2% is what my kids listen to. <laughs> and it's good, it's wholesome, it's Christian, uh, but if we did it in here, you'd be like, whoa. You know, worship helps keep you in orbit. Worship is the soundtrack to my life. The worship is the soundtrack to my family's life. There's not a road trip we don't take that we, we don't pass the phone around to the kids in the back seat and say, choose what we listen to, and worship's not on the playlist. It's the soundtrack of our lives because it gives us velocity. It fuels us. It connects us to the heart of God. In Acts 16, uh, uh, Paul ends up in prison, and, and they, they worshipped 
in chains they worshiped. So are you running low on fuel? Then get into the presence of God in worship. The real question in worship is not, will it meet my needs? Because we have, there's this group of people that, are, that will, will search for a church that might meet all of their specific wants and needs and flavors and tastes, and I like the music there, that's why I go there. Listen, I love our music here, but you know what I love more? I love the worship, that we are a worshiping church. Listen, I have been, I've stood in sanctuaries around the nation. I've stood in places that hire professional musicians, have seven-figure, million-dollar sound and lighting systems, and the sound and the music was amazing. And not one voice lifted up out of the congregation and not one hand lifted And I felt, where's the presence of God? And then I've stood in small chapels where they led worship and their instrumentalist was a saxophone. That's hard for me. A saxophone and an acoustic guitar. And that church lift up a worship that drove me to tears. I don't know what it is about me, and maybe it's different for you. But like, I bet you if we all stuck our finger in a power outlet, we would all have some kind of response. And something physically in me, when I tap into the presence and power of God, my physical body responds. And typically, that's hands in the air and tears in my eyes. It affects me. Worship gives us velocity. And listen, I don't care if I ever love the style of music we have at New Life. Luckily, I do. What I want is to be a worshiping church. The question in worship is not, does it meet my needs? The question in worship is, is this the kind of worship God deserves? I want to be that kind of worshiping church that captures the attention of God and ultimately gives velocity to our life. All of us have a need to worship something that is bigger than ourselves. So whether you worship God or not, you are worshiping something. The world is worshiping something because deep down we all know that we're not big enough. We are wired with an internal need to focus on something bigger than ourselves which is why those that are self-centered are ultimately unfulfilled. We need to worship something that is bigger than ourselves. And so worship, then, is anything that acknowledges God instead of acknowledging ourselves. So when we gather on Sunday mornings, we gather first to worship God. And the question is not, did I like the music? The question is, did I give God the worship he deserves? And let me tell you about the kind of worship God deserves. He deserves nothing less than wholehearted worship. I wish I would have thought of this to play you a clip that I I recorded on my phone when I was in in, uh, an Assemblies of God church in Haiti, in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. I took a, a video clip of their church worshiping. It'll drive you to tears. The, the voice is loud. 
I mean, we were in a metal shed, essentially, packed with people worshiping God wholeheartedly, people that live in incredible poverty, but have the joy of the Lord and worship. Worship helps keep you in orbit. I want to be a worshiping church. Psalm 63, verse 1, it says, you, God, are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. Like, that's the world we live in, and people live parched and thirsty, and they're thirsty, and they're looking for something to quench their thirst, and they're looking for followers, and they're looking for affirmations, and they're looking for to, to, to seek out what would help fill this thirst they have and quench this thirst. We live in this dry and parched land, but the psalmist says, I long for you in this dry and parched land. There's no water. And I, he says, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. And because of that, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift my hands. I will lift my hands. So I want you to know, new life, is don't let gravity pull your hands down. Lift your hands and worship. Don't let gravity, don't let life, don't let your, your sorrow, don't let your struggle pull your arms down. Lift your hands and worship. And it gives you Lift. Number three, something else that will help, give you, help keep you in orbit and give velocity to your life is that the Holy Spirit keeps you empowered. The Holy Spirit keeps you empowered. Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witness. It doesn't say that you will jump up and down and run in circles in the church. It says you will be my witness. You see, we need the Holy Spirit the word here, power, the Greek word is dunamis. It means explosive power. It, this word, the Greek word dunamis is where we get the word dynamite. It means this explosive power in our life. I want you to consider Peter. Peter, when Christ was being whipped and beaten and going to the cross, Peter denied Jesus in front of a crowd three times. The third time, Peter denied Jesus to a little girl. Yeah, he was soft. <laughs> he denied Jesus to a little girl. The scripture even, the language even alludes to the fact that he probably cussed her out. I don't bleep and know the guy. He called down curses, it says. And then we see Peter get filled with the Holy Spirit in the first part of Acts. And then you know what Peter did? He ran out into the same streets that he had just denied Christ three times. And he preached a sermon that led thousands into this way. So we see Peter before the Holy Spirit, at the time just spent years walking with Christ himself, but denied him three times. And then we see Peter after the Holy Spirit, empowered with boldness and words to speak, and he made a difference. The Holy Spirit moves us 
from being worried and weak to being bold and brave. The Holy Spirit is not a style of church service. The Holy Spirit is the power for mission. In the Christian life, I say this all the time, the Christian life is not hard. It is impossible. And I need the Holy Spirit to empower me for this life. So you need the Holy Spirit to keep you powered. Number four, you know what you need? Finding a faithful friend brings encouragement. You need a faithful friend. You need someone that says, I got you. You're down, I got you. You're struggling, I got you. You need a friend that calls you and you say, you down, I got you. Got your back. I'm praying for you. I'll show up for you. I'll be with you. You need a faithful friend that brings you encouragement. The word encouragement simply means this. The prefix in means into. And the suffix meant means coming out of you. You need a friend that puts so much courage in you that courage comes out of you. You can do this. I believe in you. You can overcome this. I'm praying for you. You're not alone. I got you. I'm with you. And you're like, yeah, yeah. In other words, a faithful friend believes in you so much that they convince you that you're capable. They put courage in you to the point that courage comes out of you. Encouragement. Courage in, courage out. You need a faithful friend that does something like that. This is why I want you to find a life group. Find a life group. Because real life change happens in the context of relationships. And, and you know Try, you know, go to a life group, maybe try another one, find one that fits you until you find your tribe. You find some faithful friends. You won't click with everybody, but if you are friendly, you will find a friend. So people ask me all the time, how do I find a friend? Be the kind of friend you want to be. Be the kind of friend you want to have, and it will attract the kind of friend you need. So if you want a kind of friend that shows up for you, then show up for someone else. If you want the kind of friend that that would text you just to see how you're doing. Text them and see how they're doing. If you want the kind of friend that prays for you, then you'd be praying for someone else. You'd be the kind of friend you want and it will help find the kind of friend you need. But finding a faithful friend brings encouragement. And the fifth thing, serving, giving, I didn't read the scripture, let's go back, I'm sorry. That's That's the best part. Ecclesiastes, it says two are better than one. Because they have a good return for their labor. If neither of them falls down, if either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them. May it be our goal at New Life Church, as large as we may grow, to make it impossible for anyone to be alone. And like the Navy would say, if you fall overboard, you need to be active in your own rescue. In other words, don't go sit in a corner and say, that church won't be my friend. No, you have to be active in your own rescue. In other words, you need to engage, you need to be the kind of friend that you want to have, and then you'll find the friend that you need. Be active in the church. Be active in the process. Be active in gaining velocity. The fifth thing, to help you stay in orbit, serving, giving, loving. This is about thrust. This is about output of our lives. 
to keep serving others, find a team to serve on, keep giving, be faithful in generosity, and keep loving even when it hurts. So the question is, is there enough output to keep up the velocity? So finally, just the last question for you is, how is your velocity? How's your velocity? Because we can escape this atmosphere. On the surface level, there's all these things that are pulling us down. People are being pulled down by addiction, fear, anxiety, depression. I'm telling you that there is, there is a way that God can give you the lift to, to, to overcome what's trying to pull you down. And, that, and, that, and if there is things pulling you down, I will tell you, you have to get some grit in your life. And you need to run with some velocity to escape this atmosphere. And it gets better than that because once you escape this atmosphere, the gravitational pull is much, much less. There is no such thing as zero gravity. There is always, always gravity, even on the moon. But the higher levels we get in our relationship with God, the less we feel the pull of gravity. And when we keep velocity, there is less gravity. That's how we stay in orbit. Because if we coast, we crash. You see? And this morning, I want us to give an opportunity I don't want anybody to leave here this morning without a nudge. Every time they go visit the International Space Station, because gravity is everywhere, there is no zero gravity, the International Space Station is slowly uh, being pulled towards Earth. Every time they visit the International Space Station, they have to give it a nudge. They keep it in orbit and its velocity. I want us to get a nudge this morning. I want us to put into practice some of these things that we're talking about. I want to give us an opportunity in the last few minutes we have to rejoice in the gospel. I want us to have an opportunity to worship with the kind of worship that God deserves keep us in orbit. I want to give us an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to empower you for this life. I want to do that this morning. We're going to sing another song of worship, but this, this isn't just as a benediction. This is a worship moment for us to gain some velocity today. And while we worship, would we take this moment with a worshipful heart to rejoice in our salvation? May we lift up the kind of worship that Paul and Silas had in the prison that made chains fall off and doors open. May we worship with that kind of intensity today that will thrust us and give us lift this morning. Would you stand with me this morning? Oh God, help us lift out of this place. Help us lift out of the things that are clawing at us and trying to pull us down. And God, may we enter into orbit where we are, have escaped old habits. The old is gone, the new has come. And we haven't escaped gravity forever yet. We know it still exists, but we feel its pull much less because we reached a level in our relationship with you with momentum. God, I pray that you would give somebody velocity today. Give somebody momentum today. Would you fan to flame, Lord, that spark in their heart that we would burn for you again? Would you fill someone with your Holy Spirit this morning 
as we worship you. God, together we want to rejoice in our salvation. Come on, all over the church today, will you just say, God, thank you for saving me. Out loud, would you just in your own way, just quietly where you are, thank you for saving me. God, thank you that you rescued me. Thank you that you broke those chains of guilt and shame off of me. God, thank you that you gave me hope and a future. Thank you, because there was a day I didn't think I had another day to live, but now I have a day because I have something to live for. God, we thank you. We rejoice in our salvation. And God, we give you worship that you deserve. We lift up our voices. Our lips will sing your praise. Earnestly we seek you. We thirst for you. Our whole being longs for you in a dry and weary and parched land where there is no water. You are our source. You are what quenches our spirit. I've heard you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is better, better, better than life. And so my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. Let's lift up our hands as we begin to sing this morning. Let's lift up our hands and let's worship God together. Let this worship bring velocity to your spirit this morning. And if you feel so inclined, you're welcome to come down front and find a place for just you, just God. You can step out in the aisle. You can come down if you like. You can worship right where you are. But with hands lifted, lips singing, come on, let's glorify him and let's get some velocity to keep in orbit this morning and lift out of what's pulling us down.